0: Ladies and gentlemen, this is absolutely pathetic. You know, I, I cannot think of a time in my lifetime, certainly, when we've had to confront something as egregious. Is what you're seeing coming out of New York City right now with Letitia James and this two-bit judge who suddenly is so empowered, so empowered to the tune of $355 billion. Looks like Donald Trump is actually going to need to secure upwards of $500 million. We're talking about half a billion dollars worth of a bond. And they're not even playing by the same set of rules. I mean, that's clear, right? That, that is very, very clear. But they're not playing by the same set of rules that any normal judge would actually do in this case. And so it's increasingly, as I said, extremely troubling. And we know it's been this way right from the beginning with this woman. I want to bring you up to speed on some new developments that have just happened, but just to frame where we are. This is Letitia James threatening the seizure of Trump Tower. Watch.
1: Four days after a judge ordered Donald Trump to pay $355 million for a decade of fraud, New York Attorney General Letitia James says she's prepared to do everything she can to make sure the former president pays his fine, including, she told us, seizing the buildings that bear his name. If he does not have funds uh, to pay off the judgment, uh, then we will seek, uh, you know, judgment enforcement mechanisms in court. And we will ask the judge To seize his assets.
0: I mean, this is exactly where she is right now. And just to give you some perspective on how insane and how bad this really is, you got Jeb Bush. Yeah. Like as in the Bush family, Jeb Bush that ran against Trump actually coming out and defending Donald Trump right now. Because you see, ladies and gentlemen, at some point politics doesn't matter. It really doesn't. I mean, your actual rights as an American are being threatened with this particular lawsuit. And let me tell you, it's going to have devastating, devastating consequences for the New York economy, New York City specifically. I want to go to a Fox Business reporter. Yeah, I'm the place I used to work. Right? Fox Business reporter outside Trump Tower talking about this very issue. Let's take it away here.
2: Judge in former President Trump's civil fraud trial saying that the GOP frontrunner has no grounds to postpone the enforcement on last week's $450 million record decision against an individual. Trump's lawyers had asked for a 30-day delay. Fox Business correspondent Lydia Hugh live outside the famous Trump Tower here in New York City, which could potentially be a, a, a property for sale. We'll see what happens. Hi, Lydia. Yeah, a lot to unpack here today, but happening just a little while ago, Judge Arthur Ingeron was writing in emails to defense counsel for Trump that the defense attorneys had failed to justify any basis for this stay. Trump's lawyers had asked for that 30-day delay on enforcement after the Attorney General, Letitia James, said earlier this week that she was ready to seize Trump's assets, including his buildings, if he were unable to pay this massive fine. Now, without a delay, the former president would have about a month to appeal and post a bond to protect his assets, like his buildings to get that bond, experts tell me that Trump may be required to deposit enough money to cover the entire judgment. That's roughly the $450 million. So some wonder whether that will force Trump to declare bankruptcy. Trump reportedly has about $400 million in cash or liquid assets now, so not quite enough to cover that whole bond. If he did declare bankruptcy, enforcement of the judgment would be paused but it wouldn't go away and as these financial questions unfold martha critics are calling for the reversal of this court decision on appeal former florida governor and republican presidential candidate jeb bush writes this if these rulings stand, the damage could cascade through the economy, creating fear of arbitrary enforcement against entrepreneurs who seek public office or raise their voices as citizens in a way that politicians dislike. We'll continue to follow developments, Martha, but we'll send it back.
0: Yeah. I mean, this is getting to the point where it is so positively ridiculous and so positively pathetic that now Jeb Bush has to weigh in in this Wall Street Journal article. I mean, come on. this, This woman, I find her absolutely nauseating. The sort of glee that she takes. I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, when it's all said and done, it goes to the appellate court. Can't get there sooner. It can't get there soon enough, right? I mean, the the faster, the better. But when it goes to the appellate court and this thing gets overturned, one of the reasons it's going to get overturned so quickly is because of her absolute rabid political vitriol. Did you see what she has been posting on Twitter? She keeps talking about how the money's going up, and she keeps adding the interest in every day with glee. This is not what our legal system is supposed to be. This is not what it was intended. So here, Jeb Bush now coming out, slamming, absolutely slamming the Biden administration, slamming Latisha James, totally torching them. And I'm going to read to you from this. He writes, the U.S. is the business capital of the world in large part because of its robust constitutional system. In other words, we got a decent legal system, not these idiots and impartial judiciary, but two unprecedented legal decisions against Donald Trump in New York. And of course, against Elon Musk in Delaware, call that into question in both cases judges have ordered massive punitive judgments on behalf of dubious or non-existent victims in other words there are no victims in this you have Deutsche Bank, the bank which made out like bandits, right? Because they got the entire loan paid back. They're the ones that took on the risky credit risk. That was Donald Trump. They made the decision to do that, knowing that they had the securitization of these various properties, including Mar-a-Lago. Whether Letitia James thinks it's worth 18 million, or whether she thinks it's worth two million, or whether she thinks it's 180 million, you know what? It's irrelevant because the bank made a decision that it was worth whatever they deemed it was worth, and thus they lent Trump. The money for her to come in after the fact, not to mention that how in any way, shape or form would the crime justify this kind of punishment? It it just doesn't. And so this threatens the very core existence of who we are as a nation, which is supposedly or used to be a fair place. Every American, he continues to write, has a right to be critical of Mr. Trump's politics. One of us ran against him in 2016. He's, of course, referring to himself or Mr. Musk's public persona. But equality before the law is precious. And these rulings represent a crisis not only for the soundness of our courts, but for the business environment that has allowed the United States to prosper. If these rulings stand, the damage could cascade throughout the economy, creating fear of Arbitrary enforcement against entrepreneurs who seek public office or raise their voices as citizens in ways that politicians dislike here, 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 here. I mean, come on. Enough already. This thing needs to get to the appellate court as of yesterday she can't sit there and say, I'm going to threaten you with bankruptcy. I'm going to seize your assets because you can't meet this insane fine. As you heard the reporter suggest earlier, it has been reported that he has, Donald Trump has some $400 million in cash. But you know what? That wouldn't be enough because with the interest, you're looking at something like 464 million dollars in each and every day it grows so upwards total of some 500 million dollars in change so that's half a billion dollars okay let's just round up it is half a billion dollars that somehow Donald Trump has to materialize out of thin air I don't care how wealthy you are I don't care If you are Elon Musk, you know what? Nobody has that kind of money just sitting around. I've told you guys this before. That's not how you become wealthy, right? By just hanging onto your cash and putting it under the mattress. So ladies and gentlemen, we get ourselves a real threat, frankly, to the the system that we are and need to be and always have been. It is under attack and it's under attack because they don't like one guy. Their hatred for Donald Trump is so extraordinary that they're going to do whatever they can to take him out. And in the process, they're taking out the country. They're taking out business. They're taking out our economy. Tucker Carlson said this. Well, actually just a few months ago, I'm going to play a clip from his show because he made the point, you know what? They're going to do whatever they can and, and they're going to keep going and going and going until he's gone because you know what? They can't beat him on their own. Watch.
3: But because Joe Biden and his many allies, from Chuck Schumer to Mitch McConnell to Paul Ryan and every single news anchor on all of television, all of them believe that Ukraine, its borders, its future, its infrastructure are all more important than the town that you live in. They sincerely think that, and it's obvious. Everyone in power thinks that, except for Donald Trump. Whatever else you say about him, Trump is the one guy with an actual shot at becoming president who dissents from Washington's long-standing, pointless war agenda. And for that, that one fact, they're trying to take Trump out before you can vote for him. And that should upset you more than anything that's happened in American politics in your lifetime.
0: It upsets me. It should upset you as well. I imagine it does. I'm looking over here at some of our comments. Again, the show is live. If you have not subscribed, make sure you do. Give it thumbs up. All that good stuff. It's, it's important right now. I mean, it's important that we get this message out and that truth really and truly be told. But you, know, you see what, what Tucker's saying, and then you think about the agenda that these people have. And you think how they've leaned into this agenda in a really detrimental way to society, to anybody who believes fundamentally in a meritocracy. Letitia James has shown her stripes. We know who she is right now, but just in case, if you're joining us for the first time on the Trish Regan Show, you need to remember exactly who Letitia Tish James really is. Too male, too pale? This woman is is gross. He's called
2: me venomous. We will fight back to your attempt to bring Trumpism to New York City. He's called me disgraceful. Oh, that they stole the Supreme Court seat. Yeah. An illegitimate president and an illegitimate member of the United States Supreme Court. He's called me radical. Listen, yes. <laughs> we know he's crazy. Yeah he doesn't have a sound mind. We know he's out of control. We know he's losing it. We know his days are numbered and we will come together. He's called me a racist. We've got to stand up to an an administration, which is too male, too pale and too stale.
0: She's upset because he called her a racist. I mean, my gosh, what do you think that kind of rhetoric is, lady? Sounds pretty racist to me and pretty sexist to me. She's a bad person who's politically ambitious, and she's riding this one as hard and as fast as she can, and she doesn't care who she destroys, which ultimately will be the everyday folks in New York City. Not to mention America. I mean, if we then have the perception on the world stage of being so messed up and so banana republic-like, which is exactly what this is, then who the heck would want to invest here? I mean, we're already dealing with the threat of a shutdown, right? We get $34 trillion in debt and still counting. Why would you want to invest in America? Why would you have any faith in our system in light of the likes of Letitia James and that two-bit judge who suddenly, you know, become popular for the first time in his life. I'll tell you this though. It feels like they're setting the stage for something, something kind of big. I mean, they want to try and chip away at our rights. They want to chip away at our meritocracy. They want to destroy the system, destroy our faith in humanity, our faith in our history, our faith in one another, our belief in day is day and night is night and man is woman and woman is man. I mean, everything right is up for grabs so that they can undermine our society for what intent. That's what you're going to ask yourself. I think it's because they intend to try and take this over entirely for themselves in a communist style fashion, except that those that are on top, they're always going to be the beneficiaries. I want you to listen to some sound that came out over the weekend and I've been wanting to play this for you because it was on MSNBC, state television, of course, and this particular woman is clearly idiotic, except that maybe there's a method to the madness. I mean, right? We, we have a choice. They're either really dumb, really, really stupid, or they are so hell-bent on changing the world as we know it. That they are very deliberately saying things and using rhetoric in twisted ways to gaslight America, so that they can prep themselves for some kind of grand takeover. I mean, this is pretty crazy. She goes on to MSNBC and she she says uh, some some really negative things, but they're not negative. That's the funny thing about Christian Americans, and and somehow that we all think that we're getting our power from God, that, that somehow our, we have these God-given rights as human beings. And her point is, you don't, right? Like her point is like, that's a bunch of nonsense. Forget about the fact that, you know, what our founding fathers wrote, etc., which I'll get to in a second. But before, just watch it and listen and think. Here we go.
2: One thing that unites all of them, because there's many different groups orbiting Trump, but the thing that unites them as Christian nationalists, not Christians, by the way, because Christian nationalists is very different, Mm -hmm. is that they believe that our rights as Americans, as all human beings, don't come from any earthly authority. They don't come from Congress, they don't come from the Supreme Court, they come from God.
0: You see, that's, that's somehow a problem. You can't actually think that your rights might come from God you know, I want to give some credit to Cliff Asnes who noted this on Twitter over the weekend. He's a well-known investor. And he said, look, this is literally the premise of our founding documents reframed as an accusation of extremism. I await this Jewish skeptic being labeled a Christian nationalist. Cliff is Jewish, very successful investor who has benefited from the meritocracy that we have here in the United States of America. But he's kind of saying, okay, this is great, right? Like, I'm Jewish, and now suddenly I'm a Christian nationalist because I actually believe in this stuff. I believe in what our founding fathers had to say. Yours truly was an American history major specializing in colonial history. Grew up in New Hampshire, so I kind of love this stuff. We eat, sleep, and breathe it there and live free or die country. So here's this MSNBC reporter who clearly, as I said, is totally incompetent, totally stupid. I mean, she may be all of these things, plus also working towards some other end. Let me just quote from the actual declaration of independence, July 4th, 1776, quote, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. In other words, we're born with these rights. We have these rights. They come from God. And you don't have to be a MAGA Republican to believe that. That actually should just be something that you as an American believe out of self-respect that God loves you and that you have these rights as a human being and that the state and that government is there to make sure that your natural God-given rights self-evident rights that all men are created equal and endowed by their creator. That would be God with these uh, unalienable rights. The state and government is there to protect those rights because God gave them to you. Now you see the lefties like this woman, I mean, it's like worse than lefties. I don't even know what they're trying to be at this point. They're trying to suggest that somehow the only answer is big government. The only answer is the state, that God doesn't give you anything. It all comes from the state. All the power is derived from the state. Now you can imagine that would send us in a pretty dangerous direction because ultimately when you have a society like that from which all power is derived from the government, well, where do you wind up? You wind up in a situation such as they have in Cuba or in the former Soviet Union. Or in Russia, or in communist Cambodia. I mean, we've seen it play out in Venezuela. We've seen it play out all over the world. I mean, it's playing out still in real time in places like Venezuela. And when the government or the state is in charge of everything, North Korea, another example, what does it leave the people with? Usually starvation, extreme poverty, and no upward mobility. So this lady from MSNBC is laughing And any of us who actually think that we deserve, we deserve these rights, that we actually believe we have these unalienable rights, even though it's right there in the Declaration of Independence, lady. My gosh. And so we are now in a point in America where I think this election becomes all the more important. And it's all the more reason why they want to take him out whether it be via the legal system or whether it be via some other systems. I mean, this is scary stuff and this is treacherous stuff. And I want to preface this by saying that, but take a look at this letter. I want to show you because you you need to see it all, right? This is a letter that was sent to Don Jr. That would be Donald Trump's son. And it's pretty, pretty heinous stuff. I don't want to read the entire thing out loud because I just don't even want to say these words, but Effectively, this is a giant threat. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please make sure that you go over and you watch the show. If you're watching the show, make sure you go and download the Apple Podcast. But you see in this letter how he's just attacking every single member of the family. It's very aggressive. It was said to have come with some white powder and it's making a lot of threats. These threats are, I'm sure, pretty commonplace, For the president, I think he's gotten them before. Um, I know that Lara Trump once opened a letter that had some white substance in it. So it's scary just being in that line of fire, so to speak, quite literally with all the crazies and then with whatever else is going on. Certainly we know from a legal standpoint, they're trying everything they can. It's something that Tucker Carlson brought up in his interview, my former colleague over at Fox, with Donald Trump, and it's just it's just a quick soundbite, but I want you to hear the question, and I want you to notice Donald Trump's reaction to it. He immediately pivots, which is probably smart. He's very nimble that way. He doesn't always pivot. I should point this out. He actually is quite forthcoming, sometimes too forthcoming. But on this one, boom, there was an abrupt turn. Take a look.
3: Are you worried that they're going to try and kill you? Why wouldn't they try and kill you, honestly?
4: Uh, they're savage animals. They are people that are sick really sick.
0: Let's play it one more time. One more time, Joe.
3: Are you worried that they're going to try and kill you? Why wouldn't they try and kill you? Honestly,
4: uh, they're savage animals. They are people that are sick, really sick.
0: Yeah. So they are trying to kill him, I guess, at least in their own specific way on this legal front by somehow making it so impossible, changing the rules mid-game, right? So they're not going to allow him the normal course of action so that you can go out and get a bond to cover the cost of this insane amount that New York City thinks it's owed, thinks it's owed by Donald Trump. Again, victimless crime. I mean, you, you got Jeb Bush having to come out and defend him. I think that says something. It's actually speaking volumes about where we are right now as a society. Meanwhile, you got the other candidate out there, that would be Joe Biden, (coughs) who's under attack for his kickbacks that he might have been getting from Ukraine, from Romania, from anywhere else. You know, it's one of the reasons why I'm telling you right now, ladies and gentlemen, policy matters. Policy absolutely matters. And we need the best policies for America, not the best policies for allegedly Joe Biden's bank account and extended family members that might be on the gravy train. Okay. We need the best policies for us citizens. And it's one of the reasons why I'm so proud to have partnered with job creators network. I want you to check them out. Join Jace, and dot com this is where you need to go because these guys are so devoted all over the country to making sure that we have the right policies in place to help us as individuals to help us as small business owners and to ward against the graft that is in society ward and against this alleged sort of kickbacks that maybe the Biden family may have been getting. And, and look, there's more information I want to get to coming out about all of this. But join JCN.com. They're all about growing America's economy, all about making sure that we ensure this meritocracy for the future so that we have this opportunity to prosper, that we have this chance in America, and that everybody gets this chance. And it doesn't just because, become you know who the government hand selects, which is sort of where we are right now. Think about that. It is who, where we are. And then not only that, if you become successful and they don't like you, Letitia James gets to take you down. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think so. That's that's like China. I mean, look what happened to Jack Ma over in China. The the creator of, you know, the biggest competitor to Amazon. He was okay until he wasn't, right? And then all of a sudden he kind of disappears. We, we do not want that. We do not want that. So join jcn.com go over there job creators network they're going to help make sure that we guard against this stuff but turning right now to joe biden joe biden's increasingly under fire as is his brother as is his son because there's all this money that was going back and forth between all of these accounts that hunter biden had opened and their subsidiaries and well Allegedly going straight to all these family members. Look, I've seen the bank records and yeah, it was going to family members. So what was that about? Really? We're trying to get to the bottom of this. And just as we try and dig and dig and dig, and you've got house Republicans in the house oversight committee, including Jim Jordan and James Comer, as they dig, they find that some of the sources that they're trying to get information from are now suddenly locked up, not once, but twice. That would be, uh, there's this this one guy who was like sort of the big spy that was coming forth with information, information about Joe Biden allegedly having been on tape talking about certain kickbacks that he might get with Burisma. Burisma, just to jog your memory, that was that natural gas company, really corrupt, now defunct natural gas company that did a deal with Hunter Biden to the tune of some $83,000 a month, times two, because... Hunter had a partner too, and the par- partner it was getting his 83000 a month. I mean, these are unheard of numbers. Just to give you some perspective, nobody in America gets $83,000 a month for a board job. So this is kind of what, protection money? I actually saw articles in the New York Times and in the LA Times that tried to sanction this. It's, oh, you know, it's common practice for family members of the administration to get these really lucrative board jobs on overseas companies so that they kind of have the stamp of approval from the U.S. government. Excuse me? I don't think so. That strikes me as uh, some kind of foreign lobbying organization effort for which you ought to be registered, Hunter Biden, as a foreign lobbyist for, which you weren't. So anyway, Joe's trapped up in this now because there was this spy by the last name of Smirnoff, who was a trusted guy who had been on the payroll for many, many years and was considered top-notch, and he filed a specific form saying that Biden had had this conversation with the CEO of Burisma, and in this conversation, it turns out that the whole thing was taped and allegedly... Allegedly taped, and allegedly in the conversation they were talking particulars and numbers, etc. This is all while Joe Biden was the vice president of the United States of America and his son Hunter was working for the company. And so, sure enough, James Comer wants to ask some questions to this Mr. Smirnov, And suddenly the guy gets arrested. So he's arrested, and they're like, oh okay, yeah, you can go home, you're gonna wear this little ankle bracelet. And then they're like, uh-uh, we're gonna arrest you again. No more ankle bracelet. This time you're in the slammer, buddy. We're going to hold you. No bail. We're going to hold you. What the heck is going down? Well, Maria a wonderful lady. I, I I really like Maria. We have been friends for many, many years. In fact, I used to work at CNBC with her many, many years ago. And they were good friends at Fox. We anchored a couple of Republican debates together, and uh, she's just a, a really <laughs> intrepid reporter, right? So she just doesn't take no for an answer, and she's like a dog with a bone. She's really hungry for some information on this. So she had both James Comer and Jim Jordan on her program the other day, and I want you to take a look. We're going to play some from Mr. Comer, some from Representative Jordan, we're going to get to the bottom of just exactly what may or may not have been going on with Smirnov, because... Comer points out the guy was like a pretty trusted source. So why the heck didn't the FBI interview him like ever watch?
4: Yeah, all we know, knew about Smurdoff was uh, the 1023 allegation. We knew from FBI sources that the FBI had never investigated it, and all we knew was what Christopher Ray told us that uh, this informant was one of their most trusted and highest paid in the bureau, and he had been uh, in that position for over ten years. So that's all we knew about him. He wasn't an important part of the case, but it was a tip that we should investigate. We are not going to leave any stone unturned. We're going to investigate every allegation. Uh, Of Biden influence peddling. Uh, With respect to Galanis, the the individual we interviewed this past uh, Friday, uh, what we learned was very similar to what Tony Bobulinski said, uh, that he was uh, familiar with the CEFC deal. He knew that Joe Biden played an integral role in helping set this up, that this deal was set up when Joe Biden was vice president, and that they believe, the Chinese believe, that Joe Biden was gonna be an equity owner in this, just like what we saw with AmeriCorps Health. This is how the Biden sold the brand. They didn't just use Joe Biden uh, as, as a crutch, they used Joe Biden as a potential board member, as a potential equity owner, and that's how they were able to receive uh, tens of millions of dollars from our enemies around the world.
0: So in other words, in his view, Joe Biden was very involved in his son's business. Very, very involved. And whether it be the Chinese energy company, which, by the way, was all for natural gas. Oh, aren't we supposed to be against natural gas? Isn't that like, you know, the no-go zone? Well, apparently only in America. Because in Romania, it's fine. In Ukraine, it's fine. And in China, it's fine. I mean, in China... They sent the guy who was the close one to the CCP, the CEO of this energy company, and they sent him to Florida. And according to the computer that was Hunter Biden's, Hunter got a nice little diamond out of it. worth some some 80-some-odd K. Wow. James, his uncle, the brother, said, oh, no, no, we gave the diamond back. Yeah, whatever, whatever. I don't know. You guys are super shady, super, super shady. Shady. So James, you, you heard it. James Comer saying what he had to say about just how weird this is. I want to go to Jim Jordan because Jim is like, you know, what's the deal with Smirnoff. I mean, this guy seemed to have been okay. And now they're saying he's lying. I mean, maybe he is lying, but the question is why didn't they ever go to him and ask questions to begin with? Right. And then what about Christopher Steele? Remember the ex-British spy who came up with the dirty dossier on Donald Trump? He was lying, totally lying, and yet they never pursued that with him. This guy, they're locking him up. What? There has
2: been no accountability whatsoever. Yeah. You all have been unable to pin anybody down about yeah. what we know to be true now, that the Russia collusion story was a lie and that Steele dossier was made up. How come yeah. Christopher Steele was never indicted?
1: Yeah, no kidding. And he and he continued to get paid after they found out what he told uh, the FBI wasn't true. And of course, now we have this Smirnoff guy and, they, and he gets in, uh, died, indicted and arrested not once, but twice. Here's the interesting thing about Smirnoff. David Weiss, the guy who's been investigating Hunter Biden for now almost five years. David Weiss had this information, the 1023 back in 2020. What did he do for the last three years? What did he do for the last three and a half years? Why didn't he look into it before? Because all we knew is what Chairman Comer just said. Christopher Ray said this was a great source, confidential human source that we've been paying for 14 years. He's helped put away bad guys. The safety of him is jeopardized if we give you access to this 1023. And now they're Maybe the guy did lie. I don't know. But it seems strange to me because it looks like David Weiss didn't do a darn thing with this until after the plea deal falls apart last July.
0: Think about that. I mean, they thought they had a plea deal. They thought this whole thing would go away, except it happened to be one judge who said, gee, I don't really think I can actually sign off on this stuff. Hallelujah for her, right? At least you get a few sane people in the government that are actually recognizing the problems that we have. So I just want to know, why do they hate Smirnov so much now? Why didn't they ever interview him before? Why did it take James Comer getting a tip that Smirnov has this information, had this information? Why can't we figure out whether or not he's lying or not? Why can't we go interview the CEO from Burisma? Why can't we track down that alleged tape? Well, they don't want you to, you see, they don't want you to. And it starts getting really, really murky and really complicated, especially at a time when we need more money for Ukraine, right? Come on. We need more, more, more money for Ukraine. Forget about the fact that everyday Americans are hurting. Forget about the fact that inflation is out of control. Forget about the fact that people can't afford basic necessities. Nope. We need more money for Ukraine. In fact, Biden was just telling us today, ladies and gentlemen, just a few moments ago, we've got the sound. They have a pretty little fire going in the background because it's supposed to feel warm and fuzzy. And yes, give us more money for Ukraine. Watch.
1: I thank the leaders for being here today. we got a lot of work to do. we got Figure out how we're going to keep funding the government, which is an important problem, an important solution we need to find. And I think we can do that. And uh, and Ukraine, I think the need is urgent. I hope we can speak to that a little bit. And uh, I think the consequences of inaction every day in Ukraine are dire.
0: Quite dire. So you see, we got ourselves into this little quagmire here. And apparently it's been a long time coming. There was an explosive piece in the New York Times over the weekend that I've got to share with you because this blew me away. Turns out we've had a CIA op going on there for years. (laughs) Basically, the last decade, the title is I encourage you to check it out. It's like 22 pages to print. My printer jammed trying to print this thing. The spy war, how the CIA secretly helps Ukraine fight Putin. For more than a decade, the United States has nurtured a secret intelligence partnership with Ukraine that is now critical for both countries encountering Russia. Wow, so now you tell us. I mean, come on. Now you guys tell us. And so is this the idea that we have to get more money together because the CIA needs more money because we're going to keep fighting this thing? It didn't just materialize overnight. And by the way, this now sort of all gels together and makes a little sense. I mean, now we can kind of understand why Putin was really concerned. Because what do you know? He's got the CIA living on his border. I mean, can you imagine the CCP? Is right there hanging out at the southern border with Mexico, for all we know, they probably are. And they're running a whole bunch of intelligence ops. Again, for all we know, they probably are. I don't think we'd take too kindly to it now, would we? So it's all now being reported on. And by the way, there's no, you know, coincidence here. Someone in deep state wanted this story out. They chose this particular timing to get out the news that, hey, guess what? The CIA has been working there in Ukraine for the last 10 years. And the New York Times puts a 22-page story, at least on my printer, out on it. What is that about? Oh, because we need more money. Let me read to you a little bit more. Around 2016, the CIA began trading an elite Ukrainian commando force known as unit 2245 which captured russian drones and communications gear so that cia technicians could reverse engineer them and crack moscow's encryption systems one officer is now the general leading ukraine's military intelligence and the cia also helped train a new generation of ukrainian spies who operated inside russia across europe and in cuba and other places where the russians have had a large presence straight from the New York Times article. I encourage you to go read this thing because it's pretty darn fascinating. So now we know, okay, there's been a spy op going on since the Maiden Revolution, effectively. Why? I mean, really, why? I've done a lot of research on this, um, and we'll get to that in a second. But before before I do, Janet Yellen. Janet Yellen wants you to know how important it is For the CIA, we're just going to go with it right now. The CIA needs more money for Ukraine. Watch her.
2: As we entered the third year of Putin's war of choice,
0: President Biden and I are committed to doing more. Can we stop it one second? alongside Alongside our... Okay, that is Janet Yellen, our Treasury Secretary, saying that this is Putin's war of choice. Remember, we're the ones that put our CIA ops there 10 years ago. Okay, just saying. So now it's Putin's war, even though we've been on the ground, running all these intelligence ops for 10 years. Okay, let's keep it going. Janet Yellen, Treasury Secretary of the United States. Allies and partners, I applaud EU members reaching agreement on 50 billion euros for Ukraine. At home,
2: in the US, the Senate, national security supplemental
0: with strong bipartisan support. The House of Representatives must now act to maintain budget support for Ukraine
2: to enable Ukraine's continued heroic resistance
0: and to protect our national security interests. Okay, so it's all hands on deck. We've got to come up with money for Ukraine. Everybody's saying it over and over and over again. You want to know something really shocking? Macron, Emmanuel Macron, the the president of France, just came out within the last several hours and said that he was willing and thought it might be needed to put boots on the ground in Ukraine. So he's effectively saying he's willing to commit French soldiers to Ukraine. So if he commits French soldiers, think about what that means for the U.S., Think about what it means for Germany. Think about it, what it means for Europe. I mean, are are they trying to get us into some kind of World War III? Because I'll tell you this, I don't think there's any appetite for it, guys. Certainly not amongst the the rank-and-file average American citizen. There's no appetite, or French citizen for that matter. Let's be very clear. Like, I don't see the French lining up to go and fight this thing. And what's so frustrating is that it all could have been prevented. Let me go back to the writings of George Kennan. George Cannon was the ambassador to Russia during the Cold War. He was with the State Department since, well, since he was a kid, like 1928. He's dead now. But when he was 94 years old, here he was writing in 1997 in the New York Times, warning against where we are now today, predicting that we were going to be exactly where we are today. Because you see, in 1992, When Dick Cheney was head of the Defense Department, Dick Cheney Cheney came up with this grand idea. I mean, the the Cold War was no longer, right? The the wall came down in 89. Well, What were they going to do with themselves? They're sitting around twiddling their thumbs. We got no enemies to fight. Dick Cheney comes up with this idea that somehow they need to guard against Russia. Russia, which then was supposed to be a friend. And in guarding against Russia, they need to expand, 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 expand NATO. So it went from being, what, somewhere around 17 countries to more than double that in the span of that time. Here's Kennan writing in 1997 because he's disgusted with the Clinton, Bill Clinton foreign policy, which was all about NATO expansion, in part because, hey, military and the industrial complex – And all those big companies like Northrop Grumman and Lockheed Martin, heck, they got to have something to do, right? He writes, but something of the highest importance is at stake here. And perhaps it's not too late to advance a view that I believe is not only mine alone, but is shared by a number of others with extensive and most instances more recent experience in Russian matters. The view, bluntly stated, is that expanding NATO would be the most fateful error of American policy in the entire post-Cold War era. Wow. Such a decision may be expected to inflame the nationalistic, anti-Western, and militaristic tendencies in Russian opinion. To have an adverse effect on the development of Russian democracy, to restore the atmosphere of the Cold War to East-West relations, and to impel Russian foreign policy in directions decidedly not to our liking. And last but not least, it might make it much more difficult, if not impossible, to secure the Russian Duma's ratification in the START to agreement and to achieve further reductions of nuclear weaponry. Well, gosh darn it, what do you know, George Cannon? Smart guy. He was right. And so here we are today on the verge of... I don't know. I certainly hope not some kind of massive, massive conflict as we're seeking now more and more funds for Ukraine as Macron threatens that we're going to have to put boots on the ground from Europe. And you know, that means us here too. Okay. None of this is good. And I just look at it and say, could it not have been avoided? Could you not guys, not have used sanctions? I mean, look, that CIA op was going on while Trump was there. He knew about it. It's been in in functionality for the last 10 years. But instead of being antagonistic, instead of coming out on day one and saying, we need to expand NATO, blah, 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 blah. What did Trump do? He tried to befriend Vladimir Putin. Now, some people say that was naive, etc. I don't know. What's the expression? You know, keep your friends close, but your enemies closer. I mean, maybe it actually made sense to kind of temper the situation a bit instead of having blinking and biting out there with sharp elbows saying, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, and we're going to do the other. And now we're in the situation in which we are now in. Part of that article, by the way, I should point out, part of that article actually says that you're not supposed to antagonize Putin, that it's not supposed to lead to lethal consequences. The whole mandate, going back to Obama was to have this operation there, but to not actually get to the point where you were leading to direct conflict. And where are we right now? Oh, direct conflict. I'll tell you the only people that have benefited from any of this, besides maybe some of these deep state operatives would be the companies in America that make all the weaponry for all of this. We're talking Lockheed Martin. We're talking Northrop Grumman. Do we have some charts on this? Too? since uh hey take a look at this Bloomberg chart so this is Lockheed Martin stock price and you're going all the way back to basically the late 90s and this stock take a look at the the first part of that chart it was like left for dead and then 2014 comes along made in revolution we put the CIA op in there and woo you're off to the races check out that stock price nice 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 curve up From 2014 on, that's Lockheed Martin. Let's check out Northrop Grumman and compare it, by the way, to the S&P 500 because that's kind of an interesting benchmark. S&P 500 has a lot of tech companies in it. It's been rip-roaring lately. Yeah, what do you know? 2014 through present, Northrop Grumman killing it, up 335%. Lockheed Martin up 243%. S&P 500 looks like it's uh, chopped liver there, up 219%. So somebody's doing well. Somebody's doing well, and people are dying. The latest official numbers, according to Vladimir forgive me. Zelensky. Zelensky's saying an estimated 31,000 have died. Those numbers are actually much higher according to U.S sources. So there's a lot of confusion here. We don't know exactly what numbers are real, what are not, but I think it's suffice it to say tens of thousands of people have died, likely on both sides, but people are making money. I mean, I I hate to, to sound like too much of a downer, but there's, there's something kind of off here. And it seems to me we ought to have better diplomats that can do a better job managing personalities like Vladimir Putin not scaring the living daylights out of him by putting CIA operations all around his country. Let's try to work with people, right? Whatever happened to like, let's grow the pie. I mean, they have natural gas. We need natural gas. Let's, let's find ways to work together, guys, not find ways to just tear each other apart because you need an enemy. I don't think you need an enemy. This is a big world. Let's try and get along with people and avoid things like war. And then when you really do have problems, use the tools at your disposal. By that, I mean sanctions, sanctions, and more sanctions. I mean, that's what's disgusting about this. We don't even have real sanctions with Russia. They said they were going to sanction them, but you know what? We didn't, because anybody who trades with Russia can still trade with Russia. We didn't sanction all the countries and say, hey, you're not allowed to trade with Russia. So as a result of all this, guess what? Russia's doing better. Their natural gas prices have actually gone up. So we have hurt ourselves while helping them. Real smart, Biden. Real smart. Unbelievable. Meanwhile, now we're looking at a whole shutdown for the government system. I mean, it's happened before. Everybody gets paid after the fact. And given that we have all this remote capability nowadays, thanks to them shutting us down once before during 2020, we ought to be able to handle it. But it's nonetheless the story du jour. I want you to listen to Mike Johnson on this because he's like, wait a second, they want all this money for Ukraine. But what about us? What about the border here in the United States of America? Thank you very much. That is exploding out of control. And not to mention the violence that comes with it, the horrific story that you have all heard of. Out of Georgia, I mean, just really stomach-turning stuff. And this is all—I'm telling you, this, this, this is on Biden. Let's listen to Mike
5: about the meeting with Thank the president. You, Michael, for staying. We had a, uh, a, a couple of meetings there. It was uh, frank and honest. I think we need more frank and honest conversations on Capitol Hill. So I was happy to participate in this. We did uh, that as a group, and then I had a uh, one-on-one for a period of time with the president, just he and I in the Oval Office. Uh, Let me say this. When I showed up today, my purpose was to express what I believe is the obvious truth, and that is that we must take care of America's needs first. When you talk about America's needs, you have to talk first about our open border. I've been, I believe, in uh, maybe 20-something states over the last several weeks, going around the country, uh, appearing at events with my colleagues, and we're hearing from the American people of all parties and all persuasions in all cities and all states who feel this acutely, they understand the catastrophe at the border is affecting everyone. And it is top of mind for all the American people for that reason. So I brought that issue up repeatedly today in that room and, and again one-on-one with the president. I think that's our responsibility uh, to bring that up. The other big priority for our country, of course, is the funding of our government. And we have been working in good faith around the clock every single day for months and, and weeks and over the last several days quite literally, around the clock, to get that job done. We're very optimistic. I, I hope that the other leaders came out here and told you the same. We believe that we can get to agreement on these issues and prevent a government shutdown, and that's our first uh, responsibility. Uh, you also heard, I'm sure, that there was... Um discussion about the supplemental uh, spending package. And uh, I was very clear with the president and all those in the room that the House is actively uh, pursuing and uh, investigating all the various options on that. And we will address that in a timely manner. But again, the first priority of the country is our border and making sure it's secure. I, I believe.
0: Yeah, right. It is our country after all. Before we do everything we can to secure Ukraine's border, can we, can we just spend a little time over here? Is that asking too much? Apparently, apparently for some lefties. Anyway, uh, Joe Biden wants you to know he, he's hard at work and he's working on a ceasefire there between Israel and Gaza. And um, he, he chose to say this while licking an ice cream cone. Wow! All right, let's let's get to this clip. Can you give us a sense
5: of when you think that ceasefire will start? Sir,
0: well, seems I a little hope confused. By the, the beginning of the weekend, I mean the end of the weekend.
1: At least my, my my national security advisor tells me that we're close. We're close. We're not done yet. And my hope is by next Monday we'll have a ceasefire. Okay. Thank you. Okay.
0: Okay. Why not have a little more ice cream? Kick that one off. Look, I mean the the president. Increasingly is showing signs of failure. I don't think the ice cream chit-chat about a ceasefire in Gaza really was the most appropriate timing for that little conversation. But it's getting bad. It's getting so bad that all around the world now people are laughing. And I don't like this because, you know, I don't even show you a lot of the footage. I could show you where he's all confused and he's fallen down and... I mean, it it happens on a regular basis right now. But it's clear, I think, to everyone that he's really struggling. So let's take a look at what Italian television is now doing with this. Italian television laughing at our president because our president seems like he really has the beginning stages of a cognitive decline. Watch.
6: Buonasera, Presidente Biden. President. good evening, Mr. President, no, President uh, Biden, President, here we are, President, pres- uh, President, President Biden, goes. qui, here, yes,
0: qui, yes. right good evening, buonasera, io parlo italiano, eh,
4: I said to the President of Israel,
0: Io ho detto al presidente di Israele. No,
6: no, non è Gorbachev, non è Gorbachev,
0: Gorbachev, il presidente dell'Israele. No. No,
4: president
6: no, 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 no.
4: When went to the moon,
6: quando è andato sulla luna.
4: And the, he was shot from
6: Ma non hanno sparato a lui a Dallas, quello è Kennedy. No, sia fermo, fermo,
0: presidente.
6: Si sta confondendo con Kennedy. Uh. 40 sì. millions. Sì, eh? Mi, Mars Ford Vabbè, ma non è ma non è lui, presidente. Uh, Mr. President. His wife. La moglie. Tried to bring him no, ma quello è Kennedy.
4: È into the do
6: you... No, no, yeah. sta facendo confusione, presidente. Yes. Sta facendo confusione,
4: Oh mio uh, sì.
0: Dio, mio Dio, mio Dio. The, the Italians are having their fun. Look. This is not good. All right. Like, I mean, it's kind of funny, right? But this is not good. This is not good. Joe Biden is in a very delicate state. I don't see how they're going to run him. I want to bring you this news. A Republican congressman who actually is usually outside the fray, right? Like he he actually didn't go along with the impeachment vote for Mayorkas. Um, He actually just came out and said that we need to look at Having Kamala Harris invoke the Twenty Fifth Amendment, and the Twenty Fifth Amendment would be invoked because the president is not capable of doing his job at this point. And this is very interesting. It's, it's from a congressman who's actually not committed to another term in office. Congressman Buck—he uh, he, he wants out, and he has not been siding with a lot of Republicans on most things. But he's kind of taken the world by storm here because he is demanding that Kamala Harris look seriously at the 25th Amendment. No one before has actually come out and said that. I mean, we heard it with Trump, right? Everybody wanted somebody to look at the 25th Amendment with Donald Trump. But now he's calling on Kamala Harris, the vice president of the United States, to say, okay, enough is enough. This particular president is in a very delicate state. He will not take a cognitive test. And yet he can't seem to remember places. He can't seem to remember people. He can't he can't even get through the, the lawyer's questions about where he left his documents in the garage next to the Corvette, his classified documents. In other words, they decide he's guilty, but they can't actually go forward with the prosecution because the jury would say, oh, well, he's just a sad, poor old guy who can't remember anything. I'm sorry, the guy's president of the United States of America, thank you very much. And by the way, he has to get w- woken up every morning by his tabby cat not even an alarm clock, his tabby cat. We did that story the other day for you. (laughs) I, I think that Congressman Buck might be onto something. Kamala, take a look at the 25th Amendment. It may be your only saving grace, lady. Not that I think that you can actually beat Trump. I don't think you can beat anyone. But it might be the right thing for the country at this particular point in time, because this guy, whom Italian TV is clearly having a lot of fun with, Cannot lead the nation right now. Hey, thank you so much to all of you. Thank you for being here. It's great to have you. Of course, as always, I want to say hey, thanks to Don and to Leslie and to all our regulars. Keep those likes coming. Keep sharing. Keep doing everything you can. Guys, we are over 210,000 right now here on the YouTube channel, and we have been building our subscribers literally one by one. So many of you have been here since the very beginning before the microphone even worked. (laughs) So I love you. I absolutely love you. I thank you from the bottom of my heart. Keep spreading the word right in the columns below. I promise you every single night I actually look at those and a lot of them I like, I respond to, but even if I don't respond, do know that I see them. I take what you think very, very seriously. And so many of you have great ideas. Join the team. We've got the new team, Trish Regan here on the YouTube channel and We will talk tomorrow.